I'm Aria Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. We are honored to have a legendary guest, Lindsay Darkangelo, on the show today. I don't need to give an introduction because you already know who she is. You already read her work on a plethora of platforms. And if you don't, you're missing out. show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our staff's amazing written content over at windsider.com while you are there check out our overseas tracker it's live now you can see where your favorite WNBA players are playing overseas all in one place and obviously we have a free agency tracker that you can see all the ins and outs the happenings uh thanks to ben dole who who created that Lindsay. How's it going? How are you? And for the people who have their head buried in the mud like an ostrich or living under a rock, where can people find your work? Well, first I want to say off the top, you guys have the best intro music of any podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, second, so yeah, I write for The Athletic WNBA, also The Athletic Buffalo, and I have a little uh, newsletter called Courtside where I do Q&As with past and present WNBA players. Which I'm a big fan of you doing that because I think Rachel and I always talk about this. It's so important to not just do the present players, right? Mm -hmm. We need to connect that gap in the same way that you see in in every league, right? Like Warren Moon, if you don't know who that is, he's a famous football player. Warren Moon is still talked about in the NFL in reference to a plethora of things. So is Brett Favre and, and like, all of these other famous players in so many sports leagues, you talk about them. KG still gets talked about in the NBA. We need to talk about and raise up these women who did amazing things on the basketball court in the W, maybe even before you started paying attention to it. So you can't see me and I'm not wearing a hat, but I'm tipping it to you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, and I agree with you because um, for all the reasons you mentioned, but also past players are doing amazing things, whether it's basketball related or not. And it's good to check in and, and see where their, their lives and careers have taken them now. Have you interviewed uh, Lindsay Whalen's alternate or alternative personality? Gentry. Have you, have you interviewed Lindsay strictly as Gentry? <laughs> um, Lindsay did not disclose that to me. I did do a Q and a with Lindsay Whalen over back in the fall, I want to say. And she did not disclose that information. <laughs> Oh, wow. I may have to have a follow-up conversation. She might have had to, like, reduce that when she became a coach and, like, had to be a little bit more serious. I don't know. Um, Rachel, how are you? What are you up to? You're, are you still on the top of a mountain breaking news? <laughs> uh, no. Um, no, I'm back home. Um, you know, I like to make things as complicated as I possibly can. But um, hold up real quick. Lindsay, uh, shout out to your Erica Wheeler piece on Courtside that just drops. Um, really good. Everybody go check that out. I, I'm a huge Eric Wheeler fan, one of the best stories in the WBA. Um, just had to put that plug in there. Thank you. Um, thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm good guys. I mean, we are, um, as we're recording this five days into February, feels like it should be March with how much news has come out the last few weeks, but I'm good. I'm excited. I'm good. Uh, we said we weren't going to talk about this, but I just want to drop a line. Because uh, we were talking, before we got on air, we were talking about how all of us collectively have started only dreaming about the W <laughs> and how it has affected our lives. And it made me think of like when you learn a language and you get good enough in it that you start dreaming in that language. We're, we're at that point with the WNBA. I fully respect it. I love it. Let's talk about free agency. Uh, Lindsay, I have beaten the dead horse about some of my more censored thoughts of WNBA free agency. I'm curious, what surprised you? What has made you go, oh, wow, that team's going to be scary? And what has left you uh, scratching your head? Well, I think the biggest one, obviously, is Candace Parker leaving the Sparks and going to Chicago. Because if you look at that roster, it is scary. It is downright frightening. I have it in front of me right now, and I just – I I see no weaknesses. I see a, an incredible backcourt. I see depth on the bench and I mean, they were already in the mix last season. And I feel like 
having Diamond Shields back and healthy, now Candace is in there. I just, they're there to me. They have the complete package <clears throat> as far as a team coming out of um, free agency now and, and heading into the 2021 season. Here's the thing. Oh, I'll on. even say, I think they're scarier because of Azra. Like, going into last season, we all talked about, you know, in the the continuity and, like, knowing who they are playing with. Mm-hmm. But when they added Azra, I mean, I've been on the Azra hype train since she got drafted. I think she should have got drafted higher, blah, blah, blah. But seeing what she's able to do in this, and then some people call me crazy, but I see a lot of similarities between Azra and Candice. And now having both those players on the team, I mean... That's a nightmare. We're having lovely dreams about the W. Other coaches are having nightmares. Yeah, I mean that front court is insane. And then and now you wonder where players who who got minutes last season where they're going to fit in, aka, you know, Stephanie Dolson. Um so I, this this roster is just it's incredible. Um and on the flip side of that cuz you asked a two-part question, for me I, I'm kind of torn between the the sparks and the the fever as to, as far as you know kind of like what what are they doing how is this roster going to look come come start of the season even training camp if you look at the fever's roster they're so guard guard heavy right now it's it's kind of crazy um so yeah that's where uh that's that those are my initial thoughts i guess Rachel, do you agree, disagree, think she's crazy, think she's a genius? I mean, it's hard not to, to disagree with everything she was saying about Chicago. I mean, I'm getting like, you know, late 2000 vibes, uh, early two, you know, early 2010, what, whatever the hell the year was. when <laughs> I don't even know what day it is, let alone what year it is. Um, when it was Elena Deladon and, you know, um, a young Slude and Allie Quigley and Sylvia. 2015, Hall. I think. I mean, you had like, you know, this most ridiculous roster in Chicago back in the Pokey Chapman era. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Chicago, it's like, is this the added piece <clears throat> that, that puts you over the edge where, mm-hmm. you know, you're no longer that, you know, kind of third or fourth type of um, position team, or now you're you're truly one of the top teams in the league. And I, I do agree. I mean, Azari Stevens, you know, sky's the limit with her. Um, obviously a healthy diamond to shields and what, she continues to bring uh, to this team. I mean, we could talk about Courtney Vandersloot until, you know, <laughs> we're blue in the face, but what Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley do, I mean, they've got to be just completely primed to go win this entire thing. Now I'm not going to sit here and say they're the favorite right now. I still think there's, you know, a lot of moves and things to be uh, discerned and figured out before we get into the season. But, man, they've uh, they've won it so far, that's for sure. Well, I would say the only – I have two questions for them. One, the backup guard position. You know, they have the backup point guard position. You can't have the Vander Quiggs, you know, just running for 40 minutes. That's just crazy. So that I, I want to see who they bring in in that regard. And then how they handle um, the target on their back. Because it's a very different mentality to go for. And, and I've spoken to a lot of champions about this. Because I always like to pick the mind of winners and like what goes into it. And something they always talk about is it's a very different mindset of when the rest of the league is looking around at you, like we need to bring our best game every single time against you. And I, and I know, you know, they'll give you that that cheap answer of, well, every game is winnable and blah, blah, blah. We need to try. But it's it's a very different situation when you're that top dog team, at least in the view of other teams. People are going to go extra hard against you. People are going to die on the court to beat you. Obviously, that is not literal, um, hopefully. Uh, and so, the, the, I mean, those are my two questions. Kind of how can this team where, and and maybe I'm giving too much credit to it last year, but going into last year, I think a lot of people similarly had a target on their back. Um, and while they started off very hot, injuries obviously uh, derailed that season for the sky. But I'm, I'm curious to see how this team handles the pressure of it. But can I ask you guys a question? I I know, and I'm very up, upfront about like my bias towards Minnesota because I grew up there. I was so close to the Lynx. Um, when I look at the Lynx, wh- when they lost four of their five starters uh, from their dynasty era, I remember scratching my head a lot towards Cheryl Reeve. And like Cheryl Reeve often does, made me look stupid. Um, <laughs> but three years later, right, with the moves that they have made, 
they're back in contention. In my mind, if we do a power ranking, it's probably Vegas, Chicago, and Minnesota. I know, uh, as of right now, I know a lot of people are going to harp on me about the storm in DC. We can get into that. But I almost want to ask you, you know, looking at how Minnesota was able to rebuild and in my mind did some questionable roster management moves in those past three seasons to get to the point where we are today. And and I'm not even like, I think it's not fair at all. And, and to set, to compare Derek Fisher and Cheryl Reeve, right? We have someone who is a great player who has not very well excelled anywhere near the level of Cheryl Reeve as a coach or a GM. And now he's in his first year, but I'm just curious, like, should there be a leeway? Should we be talking about it in the same sense of like, all right, they have, like, it was getting stale. They have to do not necessarily a rebuild, but a recalibration um, and give him a few years as opposed to, I agree with you, Indiana and LA are the teams that I'm like, what are they doing? Um, if that question made sense, Lindsay, please feel free to respond. If it didn't, you can totally change the topic. Wait, what well, what, are you asking? Yeah. Well, wait. What I think I think what you're asking is if is can can Derek Fisher um, maybe do what uh, Cheryl Reeve did in the years where they lost yes. some major impact uh, dynasty players? Is that can correct? you just like follow me around and translate the things <laughs> that I say into into normal English so people understand me? Thank you. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. You know what I. Cheryl Reeve is at another level, right? As a, she's just so smart, and um, the moves that she makes, whether they make sense to the outside world or not, they end up becoming clear after she makes them. And as the season goes on, I mean, Minnesota. Let's be honest; they overexcelled um, last season. I don't think. I think we discussed this before going into the season. Um, we maybe had. I know I did had lower expectations for that team, and they. Oh, yeah they beat those out of the water and um, and whatnot. But say, I think Fisher obviously needs time yeah. um, to kind of figure it out. But I, like, I don't know. I don't looking, looking at the roster, what the Sparks have now. And I know Rachel, you said that they need to add some other pieces and, and I agree, but even come training camp time, come start of the season, I don't think LA is going to do what, what Minnesota was able to do last season with um, just with what they have right now. But, but I guess, I guess it, and to play devil's advocate, I think it would be more fair to compare to what, like two seasons ago for Minnesota when they still made the playoffs. I believe they were like a six seed. Um, I, I, I just think like that's a more fair comparison because, you know, it took a few years for Minnesota to get there, but I completely agree. I mean, I look back at last season and I don't, I, maybe I'm giving too much credit to Reeve, but I think that probably was one of her best coach seasons so far. Oh, no, I completely agree with you. And I, we got to wait and see what else L.A. does because cause right now I don't even think, and you know I could totally be yelled at for this, but I don't even think they're a playoff team at this point. I mean, hey, four teams got to not make the playoffs, right? I, yep. think, um, I think I'm a little more optimistic about L.A. and what's going on. I mean, I... Am I calling them a contender? No, right now. Um, do I think they're probably middle of the pack? You know, yes, I do. But I do think that, you know, it, it's like comparing apples to oranges to compare Derek Fisher to Cheryl Reeve. I mean, Cheryl Reeve, and I just want to go ahead and put out there, like, I did say I felt like Chicago was winning for agency so far. Let's not, Minnesota's right up there, too. I mean, you know, the addition of Kalen McBride is, is a massive shot in the arm at the guard spot and being able to knock down shots. I mean, Minnesota's vying for it this, this year as well. So they're trying to win a championship. Um, so I think comparing Derek Fisher to Cheryl Reeve is really tough. And, and I mean, you know, yeah, he needs time. As you said, he needs time to figure it out. Um, this is, I think I look at LA as an opportunity. I mean, it's an end of an era. Um, it's an opportunity to get younger. It's an opportunity, um, you know, to just really switch it up. Um, and, and instead of like an inherited situation now, let's make, let's see what, let's see what you're going to build, you know, type of situation. And um, I think, you know, there's a lot of high expectations with a player like uh, Maria Vadiva, you know, can she evolve into the player? You know, a lot of people have, have hyped her up to be, I think now we start to kind of see the next generation of LA and, what that looks like. I mean, let, we, let's be honest. Everybody wants to be in Los Angeles. It's, they're always going to 
attract players. Um, this year, obviously, you know, I'm sure they're going to have a lot of growing pains and it's going to be challenging. But um, for me, I, I again, I, I don't think that they're a contender. That I, I definitely say there is an argument to be made to say they might have a tough time even getting to the playoffs. Um, but that happens from time to time. And I guess I'm just a little bit more excited to see this new era of LA Sparks basketball. Hearing, excuse me, hearing you say that, it made me think of like, am I just holding on to the old rivalry? And then it made me think of new rivalries. Uh, when we had Nafisa on the show, she talked about because of her personal kind of rivalry with Enrique and the games that have happened between Dallas and Minnesota, she feels that that's kind of a rivalry. And then I was thinking back to like, you know, recent high stakes rivalry games. And obviously we can't talk rivalry in the W without talking about the aces in the sky. So I'm personally very, very excited to have them as the top of my power ranking, because as much as I love DC and Seattle, they're too nice to have a rivalry. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they're just, they're too friendly. And like you, they, I don't know. I don't know. I I'm very happy to have the aces uh, in the sky as being so good and like continuing to just like stockpile their arsenal and, and yeah, but it can't be all good things. Why don't we talk about Indiana? Lindsay, what do you think's going on in Indiana? I don't know. I mentioned that earlier and well, first I want to just jump on what you just said. And it's so nice to have, like you were mentioning all these different matchups. It's so nice to have not just Minnesota and LA, right. Mm-hmm. Be the like top two teams. There's just, it's it's switched and now you have like this consistent mix and obviously that has to do with the new free agency rules and and players uh top top notch players being able to go different places but it, it's a lot of fun now there's a lot more teams in the mix that that, that can vie for that championship and it just it adds to the excitement of the league um oh. just wanted to say that back to back to indiana um yeah i so let's look at their roster right um like I said before, they're so guard heavy. Um, their front court right now is is Jantel Lavender, Lauren Cox, um, Tiara McCowan, who I feel still waiting for her to just kind of. I mean, she's had those moments and uh, where she just you just want her just to take it, you know, just just go in there and be a beast because I feel like she's on the cusp of that still. Um, but. I don't know. Like, what do you guys agree that this the, about, about the roster just being a little too guard heavy? And I'm not really sure what what angle Catchings is going for here or what she's looking I, for. I think, it's, I think it's safe to say that everybody in the women's basketball world is like going, "What is going on in Indiana right now?" You know, and I think probably the best answer for that that I can think of is it's a work in progress. I mean, there has to be a lot more happening behind the scenes. Um, there has to be a lot more that, you know, we don't know about in terms of signings, but yeah, I mean, you know, losing Erica Wheeler, um, you know, Candace Dupree was reportedly not returning. Uh, still don't know where she's going to end up. Oh, here's something interesting about that, Rach on their roster page. She's not listed. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we might even hear something today (laughs) as early as today about where Candace Dupree is going to end up. So, I mean, kind of a, a, a weird time for Indiana. I think um, losing Wheeler surprised me. I, I was under the impression she would return to Indiana as well. So to see kind of that, that shift, I was like, man, that's, that's kind of a big blow. Um, mm. But I mean, I agree. I think this is an opportunity to see, um, you know, what, what McCowan can do as she's a couple years into the league and uh, well, year three into the league. And, but I think, you know, he, here's another question. I don't know how much people are talking about, but Alaman, I mean, you know, there's no guarantee that she comes over this year and plays. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like you're putting all your eggs in her basket right now alongside Kelsey Mitchell, which we all know Kelsey Mitchell's a great player, but who's complimenting her on the floor? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's just, I mean, the entire Indiana Fever operation and decision-making right now is a question mark, but, you know, there has to be something in the works. I'm sure Catchings has a plan. Well, and, and that's the thing that I feel like is the, the, the ghost in the room, the elephant in the room, whatever the proper term is, is like Tamika Catchings undoubtedly is in the discussion of the greatest player is the goat. You know what I mean? Like we can, uh, you know, it, it's been too soon dubbed to Diana Taurasi. And that's not a hate to Diana Taurasi. I think when you just look at certain things, I, as much as this pains me to say, if you're talking about the greatest of all time, in personal opinion, Simone Augustus. 
realistically, greatest women's basketball player of all time in the WNBA's history. I think it might have to be Tamika Catchings just from what she's been able to do. That doesn't necessarily translate to you're going to be the greatest GM of all time. And I don't know if it's because often we hold our punches in the W or if it's because she is such a legendary player that everyone's kind of, you know, giving her a little bit of a break or not being as critical with her on some of these moves because I don't know. I mean, I'm critical of her on these moves. I'm confused why she's doing it. And I'm, I'm, you know, obviously what she took over last year as GM, I believe right when Marion Stanley took over. So this is kind of like, it takes a year or two for you probably to, you know, you know, they say in college, your draft class or whatever, like, It's going to take some time for her to fully build out the roster that she wants. So I get that. But these early moves definitely, if, you know, if I'm an Indiana fan, make me question and kind of hate myself because you don't want to, you don't want to question Tamika Catchings, but now you're in a situation where you have to. So I kind of hate that. No, I mean, I I just want to add real quick. Yeah. I mean, we, we have every right to, um, and I think free agency really reveals the experienced GMs to this new era of GMs who are, who are new and they are learning how this works, how they are, they are learning in real time, the proper moves for a team. I mean, it, it really uh, separates people like Cheryl Reeve (laughs) who've been doing this for a very long time. And you know, this, this new generation of of GMs in the league and I, and and that's okay. It's just, there's going to be growing pains along the way. Yeah. That's a great point, Rach. I wanted to ask you both what you think about Phoenix because um, obviously they they got they signed Diana Taurasi back and we 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 all three all three of us knew that was going to happen. I mean, pretty much everyone knew that was going to happen. Um, and they, I love that they signed Shea Petty to uh, like bring her back for training camp, and I hope that they keep her. I hope um, she makes it. Yeah. yeah, just because her story is so great. But so I was thinking, I told Rachel this. Uh, before but I was wondering if they would consider trading Brittany Griner and and what that would do that would be a shakeup for the league for, for sure but just wondering what your thoughts on that or any moves you think they might be making because they've aside from those Tarasi and Petty they've been quiet I mean I'll, I'll give my opinion to give uh give Rachel a second to to decide how she's going to disagree with me um <laughs> But looking at this roster, it's 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 such a weird roster, right? Because for how many years have we been sitting here going, Brittany Griner, Diana Taurasi, that team is going to make the playoffs no matter what. That team is, you you can't doubt them out. Like, you're not going to beat Diana in a one-and-done game. It's hard to beat her in a series, um, unless you're the Minnesota Lynx during the dynasty, in which case it was easy-peasy. Um, but... Yeah, it's look for Brittany Griner being traded. I think it boils down to two things. One, does Phoenix want to get rid of her? And two, where is a place that she would agree to play? Because it's all fine and dandy to say like New York Liberty, you're going to trade for her. Would Brittany Griner play there? If, if you're the GM of the other team and you can't get and you don't know for sure a commitment that she would play there. Why are you even making that move? You know, you don't want to have a Liz Cambage in Tulsa situation where she's not going to play there and you're just like, all right, well, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are the two question marks. You know, is this Phoenix team going to be better without Brittany Griner? I doubt that as much as I'm a Brittany Griner hater. And, and, and by that, I mean, I never think she's reached her potential. She like, I've never seen a like a full stretch of, you know, a season of her to her ability, in my opinion. Maybe I'm a jerk. But I also really, I mean, you look at this team. They got a lot of firepower. Um, They got a lot of players who can score the ball. You know, Skylar Diggins is ridiculous. You got, they re-signed Nia Coffey. Excited to see what we can see from Alana Smith. Obviously, Diana Taurasi, Bria Hartley, who was just, uh, hopefully she comes back fully healthy. She was ridiculous that season. I think, there are some question marks on this team just in regards to the Brittany Griner thing, which is why I find it hard in a simplistic power ranking to know where I'm going to put them. Um, all right. So Phoenix. And well, I mean, I just want to give a shout out to Brittany Griner. I think an article came out this week about um, what we haven't heard much. I mean, there's the, obviously the elephant in the room of her leaving 
the bubble halfway through um, and just kind of the way everything ended last year with Griner and her situation. I'm glad to hear that she's been getting, um, you know, the, the mental health treatment and, and really spoke openly and candidly about just kind of where she's at. She's feeling really good. Um, I think that's a really good sign. I'm really excited for that <clears throat> and for her uh, to return this year. I think when it comes to like, where is she going to end up? Uh, that Obviously that's a question that's tossed around a lot. I think it's, I have no idea. I mean, I, I think it's hard to imagine Brittany Griner with a different team. Um, she is, has all the tools to be the most dominant player in the league. I mean, there's no question about it. When she wants to go, she is the most dominant player in the league. So uh, for Phoenix, you know, this roster, <laughs> I mean, obviously huge to see Tarazi return. It's, it's cool to even think about her potentially returning for, for two more years, uh, which I think was what her contract was. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and obviously Skylar Diggins-Smith. Um, I know Phoenix really liked the way they looked um, when they had to play small a little bit last year. So I do think that gives a little bit of um, options, say, if there was a scenario where Griner did leave. But I don't know where I stand on the Griner situation. I just, you know, all of that stuff has to be handled internally. And I, I hope that everyone is in a good, healthy place. And, you know, I, I would – I'm just going to go. I, I think she'll probably return to Phoenix if I had to, if I was a betting woman, um, especially now that we kind of heard that, you know, she's, she's doing well, she, she's feeling better. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of what, what else is on this roster? I mean, what else have we heard besides Tarazi and Shea Petty is coming back at least for a training camp contract. But I feel like Phoenix is one of those places that like makes moves late, you know, like, they're one of the last ones to kind of come in and like make something happen. Am I wrong? <laughs> well, wait, I'm, I'm curious when you say late, do you mean like too late or are you saying no, just, I'm just in a like, time manner in the, in the time frame? Like mm-hmm. when we might like the last few years, I feel like maybe we, I guess maybe besides Skylar Diggins, some of the other moves they make, um, you know, they don't need to bring in someone that is necessarily a, a starter. You know, I think at this point it has to do with depth and, um, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit more depth forward position. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe we see a Candace Dupree return to Phoenix. That would be, I'd be all, I'd be all about that move. That would be pretty badass. That would be a pretty sweet move. Um, you know, just looking at their roster, you know, there could be a need for something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of a question mark. I mean, you know, we're seeing Phoenix kind of run it back with the same core. Um, if assuming Griner returns, but obviously with the addition of Skylar Diggins and I mean, this is just a team that when they're clicking, they're clicking, you know? Yeah. And they're always going to be in the contention of like the top three or four. And to, wait, after. Can I, wait, can I ask you real quick? Yeah. If they don't, and I want your opinion, Lindsay, if they don't have such a successful second half of the season after Griner leaves, are we even having this conversation? I was just going to say that. I mean, not in those exact words, but I'm saying when she left, they did, not only did they do okay, I almost think they did better. Sure. Um, playing small, uh, Brianna Turner, my goodness, yeah, like she, she came in God. and just handled the business and she, yes. And she's so, she works hard in a way that Griner in all the years I've seen her play. I haven't seen that same kind of drive, which is, makes me sad, right? Because she has the height and the talent and the, and the fundamentals she's worked. I've, I've interviewed her a few, a handful of times and I know she's worked on her fundamentals. Something happens during the season where she just decides, eh, you know, yeah. and you, yeah. you, Bri- Brianna Turner on the flip side, you will never see that from her. So there in that lies my frustration as far as this team and what, what, what could they could potentially be if, if Griner gave a hundred percent night in and night out. But next next time we do the show, we need to do a video because I'm pretty sure you just did a pen drop, which is one of my favorite analyst moves when they're on TV and they make a great point and then they drop the pen. I did. And you, and I, I heard I heard the audio. Maybe it was Rachel. Either way, I in my mind you did it and it was it was it was the reporter's mic drop. I did. I dropped my pen. But anyway, I do think they were they would be fine without Griner. I do. The, and the, I agree with you. My thing is more so that so much of what, and, and this has been a critique that I've had of Phoenix for years, which is so much of their game plan is built around running through Griner, or I guess for so long it's been 
run through Tarasi and then kind of run through Griner as the second option when Tarasi's been in and out. I've questioned if they were able to properly adjust. But I mean, to 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 kind of bring flowers to what you were saying, you know, when Tarasi's been injured and not been out there, I think this speaks volumes to to what she does. This team has been unable to be successful. Yeah. When Brittany Griner left, this team found a way to play a different style of ball yep. and play. So for me, what I want to see is is this roster. If I'm if I'm in charge of Phoenix, I'm keeping Brittany Griner at all costs, mm-hmm. and I'm saying now we know what we can do when Brittany needs to take a rest. Now we know that we have a multifaceted machine here that can attack you in different ways because there's there like yes, there's the idea that we're just going to do what we're going to do and you can't stop us. But if you can make adjustments and have those adjust and knowledge that those adjustments are going to you know, redeem positive results. I mean, boom. Boom. I don't know if that was a, yeah, boom. That's, <laughs> boom. that's a Rachel line. Boom. boom. Um, let's, let's Vegas. Okay. How good is Vegas right now? How, how, what do we think in regards to the, the replacement? Cause I can see people going like, you know, Oh, you're so hyped on Minnesota getting Kayla McBride, but Vegas got Chelsea Gray. So like, Lindsay, talk to me, talk me through your kind of mindset of, I, I know I personally, I just believe that Chelsea Gray is a better fit in Vegas and Kayla McBride's a better fit in Minnesota. You know, talk to me about your thoughts about Vegas. I can see that. I, I can see that. Um, I, so my, my concern, I don't think it's a really concern, but so Liz Cambage was out last year or she didn't play the bubble. And I feel like Wilson had a better season. I mean, obviously she was MVP, but, but you know what I mean? Like my, I'm not so concerned with the guards that they have. Cause you know, they have a lot of talent everywhere, but for me, it's how do, how do, how does Wilson and Cambage play off each other? Because the previous season, I don't think, I don't think they, they did that. They did it that well. I, for, for me, it's, it's more about the front court of this team. I mean, obviously they brought back Hamby, which was, you know, had to be a done deal. I mean, she's the, the greatest uh, uh, sixth woman of all time. Yeah. Um, and so you got, you got a bunch of scores. You got McCautry, you got Chelsea Gray. Um, uh, and then you have Plum, uh, you know, as far as the point guard goes, Jackie Young. So they got it. They got a good mix. For me, it's the front court. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the front court. I mean, I can't really argue against anything there. I, I mean, still waiting to hear about Liz. Um, you just I feel like that's always just kind of a question mark. Yeah, <laughs> a major question mark. I mean, she's we're talking about the most dominant player in the world. Um, I feel like Vegas is a hell of a talent. I mean, Asia Wilson you know, has, has an opportunity to repeat as MVP. Um, a lot of that I think has to do with, you know, the situation with her in Cambage and just numbers, mm-hmm. you know, from a statistics standpoint, but I don't hate the McBride move. I felt like that was something that a lot of people kind of expected. To I, I just feel like, you know, it's a fresh start for McBride and, and I love the move for her in Minnesota. I think that's going to be such a good fit. And she seems like she's ready to go like guns a blaze. And so Las Vegas, I, I mean, I don't, it doesn't really change anything for me. I think I see them as like right where they have been, you know, they, they're the, the hottest team in the league. They've got a hell of a roster. Um, assuming Liz, you know, is here and healthy and playing and, um, uh, Kelsey Plum, you know, has really taken major strides in her play. I mean, obviously returning from an injury is, is going to be a bit of a question mark, but um, I think that Las Vegas is, is right up there in the conversation. And now, you know, you've added that Chelsea Gray piece where the weight of the world doesn't have to be on her shoulders mm. or she doesn't have to necessarily feel like it is. And now she can kind of just play uh, freely and, and with this new team and with a, a new breath of fresh air. And I think that's going to work really well for Chelsea Gray as well. So, I mean, you know, we're talking about contenders. you got, you got to talk about Las Vegas. Okay. Especially now from a depth standpoint. I mean, you know, if we're talking about depth, um, you know, even, even Angel McCautry, what she was able to do last year, you can't expect her to, you know, to, to give that, you know, back-to-back years and all those types of minutes. But, I mean, you know, let's... let's... My, my thing with Angel, though, is she... 
was coming off injury, didn't really get to warm up before the WNBA season. Honestly, as much as I harped on the angel move and not thinking it would be a needle mover, I feel like this year it's even better for them, maybe, to have her coming off of, um, like, she's playing for Galatasaray in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is even better that she's going to have her legs under her more coming into the season. Obviously, there's the negative of playing a full season before the season, but you hear what I'm saying. Was that to me or to Rachel? Oh, no, it was just a general <laughs> comment. Um, I, I am curious, though, with you both, like, Connecticut mm-hmm. without Alyssa Thomas, yeah. but with John Quill Jones, where do they stack up in this league? It's just, it just sucks. You know, I, I really feel like Connecticut every year, one way or another, is facing some form of adversity, right? Like, like That's how they like to uh, play it, though, too. Right. They, like, they, they like that yeah, label. Like the, the disrespect. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it's like every year something crazy is going to happen and you didn't necessarily expect it. Um, you know, so it just sucks. Like Alyssa Thomas is, is a tank. I mean, she is one of the toughest players in the world. And mm-hmm. there's no doubt that, you know, you lose a Courtney Williams – you know, that's, that's a blow that changes your scoring that changes the way your offense is, you know, kind of ran at least in terms of shot selection at times, but like, you know, JJ sits out for a year. Okay. That's a, that's a really tough blow. We work around it, but man, Alyssa Thomas, that's just a different type of blow, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's just the engine that makes this team go. And, and I mean, she's literally, I look at her as like a super, super, super woman. I mean, so obviously I love that they, they kept her. Um, it's, 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 she's, she's so good and she's so unique and she has such a motor that she's the type of player that like teams are trying to sign her willing to take a one year hit just to have her, you know, so Connecticut had to sign her for this year. Um, and, and through the loophole of how it all works, they're able to sign her for a four year deal. And that just shows a ton of loyalty, you know, of how important she is to this Connecticut roster. Now this year it sucks. You know, the cap space situation with Connecticut's really, really tough. Um, they're going to be shorthanded. We talked about depth just a little bit ago that that's going to be a question mark this year in terms of, you know, whether you play with 10 or 11, it's, it's going to be a challenge for Connecticut, but you know, brand January is a vet. She's a pro. Uh, you still have Dewana Bonner. You're bringing back Jasmine Thomas, um, Brianna Jones. They just announced that early this morning. I mean, she was big time last year. I feel like she's, her game is elevating and she just mm-hmm. kind of took that big step last year of kind of what she can be in this league. And she's yet to hit that ceiling in my opinion. So, I mean, this is a good team. And we, if, if you think at this point, this is a, like Connecticut's going to just roll over and just be like bad. Like, I think we're, we're fooling ourselves. Like they, they've proven that they know how to win there. They've proven to play the underdog role and the gritty role extremely well. Um, can we have them in the contention category? Probably not, but I think they're, you know, that competitive um, high middle part of the league that can beat anybody any given night. Can Do you think they can be successful playing Jones and the Joneses? Oh, wow. <laughs> I just had this aha moment that they have the Thomases and the – okay. Um, <laughs> do you think they can be a, a competitive team playing uh, JJ, no longer a Jones, she's just JJ, at the four um, and Brian, uh, oh. Bria Jones at the, the five? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, get some muscle down there uh, and let Jonquil kind of do her thing. You know, she she likes to play uh, outside a little bit. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think without Thomas, you kind of get got to get creative. Um, and having uh, JJ back would, is going to be a huge lift for this team. And if there's any team that doesn't need depth, it's them. It's them. Because, right, like, Kurt Miller plays, what, a six-man rotation? Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, yeah. They're they're they are they run. I mean, they've always been a you know running team, and like they've always been quick and fast paced and and in, in great basketball shape. So um, I agree with you there. There's one thing I do want to bring up because we're talking about Alyssa Thomas, and I will not sleep. Well, I will sleep, but I will not stop harping on this until uh, I get some resolution. <laughs> The WNBA needs to give Alyssa Thomas the ambassadorship role. I know nothing's out there about this right now, but there was not a clear defined role when Brianna Stewart did it. 
I think it got mentioned once or twice. She showed up at like one or two WNBA games during that season, talked to the announcer for like five minutes, and that was it. And I don't know why they did that for her back then. Like, maybe someone can edge it. Oh, because they want to give her money? Fine. But like, they paid her more than her salary was to keep her around the league. And I I just have a lot of questions of, of why they did it in the first place. But they've set the precedent of doing that for star players. If you want to say that that it has to be a star player, Alyssa Thomas is a star player, one of the best defenders in the league, somebody who literally carried her team, and I have to say it, with torn whatever's on her shoulder, and, and like, what? Give her the ambassadorship role. And also, Connecticut is a team that, you know, because of the situation, they are strapped for cash, and They're not able to sign someone to fill that position even for just a year. So not only by doing this, are we doing a disservice to Alyssa Thomas? We are doing a disservice to the team and to the fans of the league who Connecticut could like, in my mind, if you're the WNBA, you want as many top tier competitive teams as possible. And all this does is hurt a definitely contention team in my mind if they're able to make some moves that they're not able to do right now. So that's, that's my little spiel. That's your soapbox. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and I'm standing on it. I just learned that phrase uh, two days ago and I'm using it. I, I think that, I think that there's still so many question marks. I mean, no one in the, no one in this podcast right now has answers to kind of what that ambassadorship was and what that means. And I think that still has yet to kind of be defined by the league. So it's hard to take, you know, that and, and, assign it to, you know, players moving forward. We just know that it happened once and man, it can happen again. And this would be a great situation. I mean, talk about a a player who, you know, is worthy of it and has brought a lot of attention to the league, not necessarily because she's the most like social media savvy or, you know, that type of stuff, but just a player because of her story and just like her work ethic, man, like very deserving of something like that. But, um, and, and, and I mean, obviously would help Connecticut too from, the ability to maybe go get a different player and instead of having that on the books this year, um, you know, it, it just, it is what it is. So I would love for the ambassadorship, you know, to be something that we talked about every year. Um, I, I don't see what the negative would be with that, but I'm also, I don't work at the league office. Well, Rachel, that would mean that someone's getting injured overseas every year, which I don't want to see. So, well, I mean, maybe it doesn't even have to be an injury. I mean, you know, like, I don't, again, we don't know what the definition of like the ambassadorship is. Like there was never, there was never a, you know, what this is and this is how we're going to use it moving forward. So um, it kind of came out of nowhere, right? It was just like, oh, this is what we're going to have Stewie do. And that was, that was kind of like it. Well, and it wasn't even like, this is what we're going to have her do. It's just like, this is what it is. This. Yeah. yeah exactly, <laughs> right. Like the whole time I kept waiting for that, that PR email that like, Hey, this is, this is what the ambassadorship role is. This is what to qualify for it. And this, this, and that I I've just been left scratching my head. Yeah. I agree with, with uh, both of what you said. I think if they did it one year and they kind of established that precedent, then they should do it every year for um, a player who, um, who is out or has, you know, a, a severe injury and, and then still wants to be around the game and, and they could use that to their advantage. And I think Alyssa Thomas would be great, especially like you said, Rach, her story. Um, I got some uh, news here. The the well, Mystics uh, officially re-signed Tina Charles. So there you go. she's coming back for the 2021 season. There we go. Boom. That's exciting. That's a player who I think a lot of people like to look at like a specific stat and hate on her. And sometimes stats lie and the eye test works. I got a little more news too. Might as well do it on the pod. Um, yeah. Boom, drop it. Tina, it's a contract terms. I'm told is a one year deal for 175. So one year deal. That's interesting. Well, and she did that last year. It was just yeah. a one year deal. She's, so it's um, kind of like she's just taking it, you know. Yeah. Taking it year, season by season. Kind of seeing how. I respect that. Yeah. At this point, like, why not? You know, last mm-hmm. year, you know, was what it was. But this year, you know, I mean, you know, Washington, <laughs> you know obviously up in the contender category as well, still waiting for some things to be finalized, but you know, you're bringing back 2019 champs and, and now you've got Tina Charles, a part of that mix. Um, that's, that's a team that we haven't really talked about a ton, but we can do that on, on the next pod. But yeah, Tina yeah. Charles back to Washington. 
for a one-year deal. I think people, Co- Coach Tebow said that was going to happen or he hoped it would happen. So good to see that done and finalized for, for Tina. Yeah. And we, Let's talk about, oh, sorry. Go I was just going to say, we missed out on the opportunity, right, to see Deladon, Elena Deladon and Tina Charles right. play together. Right. And um, now we get to see it happen. I'm kind of psyched about that. For sure. Well, to be fair, I did one time have a dream of <laughs> Elena Deladon throwing it a like lob pass to Tina Charles, who then kicked it back to Natasha Cloud for a three. So I've seen it, and it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> let, let's talk about uh, – I'll, I'll throw this to you, Lindsay, and you can pick either team to talk about. Atlanta Dream or the Dallas Wings? Dallas Wings haven't really done much, just the re-signing of Alicia Gray, which I think was a good move. Um, but we haven't had a chance to talk about either of those teams. Tell me your thoughts. I don't – so I don't think the – the wings have to do much. I mean, they even before the draft, they already have 12, 12 players on their roster. I mean, they're going to have some decisions to make during training camp. But they are so young. And I think we saw some some really good things from them last season, but their youth is is really the, the, the hindrance. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested to see them sort of take that same squad and, and see what can come out of it um, this coming season. I would add to that and say, like, you know, going into last season, I think it's easy for the team to say, hey, we're a young squad, we're a young squad, we're going to have learning or, uh, growth spurts and, and, and learning curve or whatever. Now they're kind of past that, right? Mm-hmm. Now they can't, they have to shift the mentality where that's no longer the excuse, yeah. the rationale, the logic. Exactly. Now it needs to be, you know, Arike is a bona fide star. Mm-hmm. Satu, I've been watching her overseas. She is going to be a bona fide star in her second year in this in this league. Um, it's just a matter of you know the team as a collective, and and they have so much young talent. Ty Harris, Bella Allery, mm-hmm. like this is a scary team that you know I, I talk about win- championship windows. They're not in that window now, but that window is is nearby. Mm-hmm. They're not far away from that window. Any thoughts on Atlanta? Oh, okay. I thought Rachel was going to jump in there I with her. I think with Dallas, um, you know, there's going to be, a, I, I would anticipate there's going to be a lot more that happens. I mean, when we had head coach Vicki Johnson on the podcast recently, she talked about, you know, we needed to get a little bit more of a veteran presence in here. So some off season moves involving something like that. I mean, you know, we, we haven't talked about Zowie B and where she could potentially end up if somewhere, um, you know, we still have, we've, we've mentioned Candace Dupree a couple of times. Um, so you have some veteran play players that are still, you know, there's still some question marks of kind of where could they end up in free agency. And, and, and I think Dallas could potentially be involved in some trades. Um, so obviously everything you guys said about the talent of this team and how young this team is, don't forget what Vicki Johnson said about, you know, we, we want to try to add a little bit more veteran presence in here. Just, just trick, just sprinkle it in there a little bit um, to help take this team to the next level. Um, just wanted to add that. And now Atlanta, I love the plug. <laughs> Atlanta, I mean, I'll just say my, my thoughts real quick. I'm, I'm really excited about the Cheyenne Parker move. Cheyenne Parker is a stud. I mean, she's, she's really, really, really turning into a dominant player. Um, I, I think that was a, a blow for Chicago, but then the Candace Parker thing happened. Um, you know, I, I think that Cheyenne Parker makes Atlanta immediately better. Um, and then you throw in, you know, you know, Kennedy Carter and Courtney Williams. And it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting roster. You know, I, I think that they, there's a lot, long way to go for Atlanta and, ter- but they're, they're better than, than what they've been um, the last couple of years. Um, real quick before before Lindsay drops dropped me some Atlanta knowledge. It was funny in the Cheyenne Parker presser. First of all, I'm also really hyped on Tiana Hawkins going there because I like seeing both I like seeing players who have excelled on a specific team for a while move to a new team and then we can kind of judge their game in a whole new light and a new perspective on it. A nice little fun tidbit from Cheyenne Parker's um you know, Zoom press conference after it, like somebody asked her about her role and and things like that. And, and I, 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 she teetered on a point. She said something to the effect of like, oh, well, I'm excited to be, you know, a, a starter. And then she like stopped herself and goes, well, and even if I'm not a starter to get like 20 minutes or so, I believe the, the quote was, don't, don't quote me on that quote, but it, it, it was about that. And I was really hoping that she was going to be like, no, nah, I'm going to be a starter. 
and we're going to tear up this league and we're going to be great. Sorry, this is just my random weird thought. Lindsay, what are your thoughts on Atlanta? Hold on real quick. Tiana Hawkins is a hell of a get as well. And I apologize. Mm -hmm. There's so many different moves in my head. Tiana Hawkins, you know, is is a player that's extremely smart, brings that leadership, has won a championship. That's a huge shot in the arm for the, for the dream as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I, I completely agree, and I think they Atlanta immediately got better in the front court with adding Parker and, and Hawkins. And you know, I'm looking at the roster. I don't see Glory Johnson on here. Did I miss something with the? She was on a one year, so she okay. has a free agent. She has a free agent, so that's another player that could potentially go to yeah. some of the other teams we mentioned as well. Sure. Um, yeah. So Atlanta, right? Um, like I said, they, they immediately got better in the front court. And I'm, I'm wondering um, if they could add one more piece um, at, at the guard position, though. Because you, ha- you have Carter, who's um, solidified point guard. She's a stud, as, as Rachel likes to use that word. Um, Courtney Williams, I mean, uh, Strickland can also play guard. But I feel like they need another, another piece there. I agree. For I mean, for me, the question is Renee Montgomery, mm. right? Is like, and, and many people hated on me on this, but I, when Renee Montgomery went to Atlanta and, and they moved her to the starter position, and I meant this with all love to her because I think she's an amazing player. I think she's better suited as a bench player. I think there's certain players that you might be good enough, and, and maybe this is like the, the Bill Lambeer coming out of me. You may be good enough to be a starter and be a successful starter, but for the continued growth and and uh, and and positivity or, or whatever you want to say of the team, it might make sense for you to come off the bench. And that's not even me saying specifically that she needs to come off that in in Vegas they need to have Hamby off the bench. But like I just think Renee's ability to dictate the pace of the game when she's not on the court. But the question is obviously, you know, she's not she's not a young chicken. Will she uh, will she come back or not? Is is the real question in my mind? Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny because like, I'm sitting here looking at that roster. It didn't uh, the Atlanta's roster it didn't even register in my head. But that's that's such a great point about Renee, and she's doing so many things off the court. I know basketball is is like her first love and her her main focus. But uh, you wonder if. Uh, you wonder what, what she's going to decide and where she's going to go from here. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts before we log off? Uh, I just, I'm so excited for the start of, of the, the season. And I don't know what that's going to look like with everything that's still kind of happening with COVID and whatnot. But I just, the way free agency has changed, it just, I love these conversations that people are having. I love that um, it's, it's, the league is in the news. Uh, during this time, this, during this lull, um, before um, before the season, and I just I'm so psyched to see how all the the new moves come together, and and see what shakes out. Rachel, no, I, perfectly said. I think we should do this again in like a month or two, and yeah, we're like reactionary. I, we we love chatting with you and just kind of you know, just talking. Um, there's a lot happening. Honestly, it's hard to keep up. <laughs> um, there's so many different angles to kind of dive in and analyze. I know we were kind of just had to scratch the surface, but definitely excited to uh, see what happens, especially with some trades down the road. But yeah, we should get back on here like in a month or two closer, like to, to the end of it and beginning of, you know, spring and, and uh, talk about everything. Yeah, I would love that. I love chatting with, with both of you. Hey, I will never say no to talking with both of you about WNBA, and and you guys will need to tell me to shut up. <laughs> As we say, Winsider is your one-stop shop for all your WNBA news and conversation. We can't do it without your help. Become a subscriber at patreon.com backslash Winsider for just a few dollars a month. You can help grow the game.